There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Not all men are dangerous, but the prospect and the stories we hear can make dating a scary thing. On June 17, 1954, a man was born who would go on to meet and start a relationship with a number of women. Women who had a knack for winding up dead after he left. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Sherry Weathers, a hearing-impaired student at the Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind, had a number of her friends concerned when she missed an entire week of classes and seemed to drop off the face of the earth. After a number of calls from the school went unanswered, a counselor called over to the manager of her apartment building on February 24, 1986, and asked if he could check on the young girl. The manager used their key to enter the apartment and found Sherry, along with her five-year-old son, Chad, and her four-year-old son, Joseph, dead on Sherry's bed. The bodies had been piled up together, covered with a blanket, and when the police showed up to secure the scene, the manager directed them to a different apartment with a new terrifying concern. She told the police that another woman in that apartment complex, 33-year-old Linda Jarman, was not only a student at the same institute, but had been missing for a bit as well. When police opened her door, they found her nude, lifeless body on her bed with her television and car missing. The connection between the two women was undeniable, and the police went to the Institute to see if they had any viable information and found out that, around the same time Sherry went missing, so did an art teacher at the school named Daniel Spence. Daniel had shown up at the school just a few months before the murders, offering to work for free in hopes of securing a permanent position in the future. He was also a man who expressed romantic interest in Sherry Weathers before she turned up brutally murdered. Realizing they needed to chat with this Daniel Spence, police brought him in for questioning and took his fingerprints for good measure. When they came back, they realized that Daniel Spence was actually Daniel Siebert, a man with a 1979 conviction for manslaughter and who was wanted in San Francisco for assault. So who was Daniel Siebert? Daniel was born on June 17, 1954, in Mattoon, Illinois, to an abusive, dominating, and sadistic father named Erwin Sieber. He was beaten, raped, forced to perform oral sex, and wear women's underwear while having sex with his own father. This continued until Daniel was 11 years old, when his mother finally had enough, packed up he and his sister, and left, a year later finding a new man. Daniel ran away shortly after his mother found this new boyfriend and spent the rest of his life on the streets abusing drugs and sex working to make ends meet. By 1972, Daniel, ready to get his life back on track, joined the Marines under the name Daniel Marlowe, but was given an early dishonorable discharge. So he went back to his old ways, fathering a son and daughter between 1973 and 1975 and getting himself into some serious trouble with the law. In 1979, he was convicted of manslaughter in Las Vegas, but was released after a bit and began traveling from state to state using the name Danny Spence. At the end of December 1985, he met a man named Donald Hedren, who was on his way to Talladega, Alabama, to be an artist in residence at the Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind. 
Because Danny was carrying an artist case while hitchhiking, Donald thought he would pick up the drifter and fellow artist and help him out with a ride and a place to work. At first, Danny turned down his new friend and made his way back to Illinois. But it wasn't long before Donald called his new friend to persuade him to move to Alabama. He finally agreed in January of 1986, which is how Danny ended up at the Institute and in the life of 24-year-old mother of two, Sherry Weathers. Police started to piece together not just Daniel's identity, but his whereabouts and what seemed to be a string of bodies he left behind him. In addition to Sherry Weathers and Linda Jarman, whose car was found in Elizabethton, Kentucky, with Danny's fingerprints. There was also Linda Odom, a 32-year-old cocktail waitress he was dating who was reported missing on February 24th, the same day Sherry's body was found, and whose new decomposed body was found just outside Talladega on March 30th. And 19-year-old sex worker Cheryl Evans of Calhoun County, whose body was found on February 20th, dumped on the side of the road. It was at this point that police began realizing what a dangerous man Danny Siebert was and began a manhunt for the man they knew was responsible for, at the least, the four murders in Alabama. Over the course of six months, sightings of Daniel was reported throughout Ohio, New Jersey, Nevada, Southern California, and Canada. But finally, a call came in on September 3rd from a friend in Las Vegas who knew where Daniel was. Ready to catch him, police traced Daniel's call to a Nashville, Tennessee payphone where employees at a nearby restaurant identified his mugshot. He was arrested the next day and, in custody, confessed to five murders in Alabama as well as various others all over the United States. When asked how many, he responded, maybe a dozen, maybe more. I try to put those things out of my mind. By the end of his confession, Daniel Siebert was charged with the Alabama murders in addition to the 1985 murder of 28-year-old Gidget Castro, 23-year-old Nessia Elrath, who were both originally attributed to the Los Angeles Southside Slayer, and 57-year-old Beatrice McDougall from New Jersey. On March 21, 1987, Daniel was convicted of Linda Jarman's murder and was handed down a death sentence and later for the murders of Sherry Weathers and her two children. While behind bars, Daniel began receiving treatment for pancreatic cancer. While he attempted to appeal his sentence on the grounds that the drugs for lethal injection combined with his cancer medication would cause him unnecessary pain. But on April 22, 2008, while awaiting that execution date and fighting it, Daniel Siebert died in Holman Prison of complications from his cancer. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on June 18th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.